church that is. So, um, hey, thank y'all for the introduction. Um, hey, it's cool to be back. Again, I don't know if y'all remember, I was here last year, and um, it was right before we were about to launch. And so, um, we are six months today into our church plant. And so, yeah, praise the Lord. And so, it's been a sweet, it's been a really sweet season. Um, one of the words that I really shared this morning with the staff team and some of the volunteers is that um, the six months of our church plant has been marked with one word that I would say um, is faithfulness. And so um, we know that the Lord is faithful. We read through the scriptures. We see the faithfulness of God. Theologically, we can read the word of God, and we see God is faithful. We know that. As intellectuals, we can understand through God's word that God is faithful. Um, but as a church, we have encountered the faithfulness of God. We have felt the faithfulness of God. We have received the faithfulness of God. And so the word of God informing that God is faithful, we've actually been able to encounter and experience God's faithfulness. Um, we launched with probably about 500 people on our first Sunday, and it was crazy. Like, y'all, it was crazy um, and amazing. And so, um, and, and then the Lord just really, in a really sweet way, um, has just kind of, you know, navigated people to be settled at right around 200 um, where every week we gather with a multicultural group of people um, that looks very different from one another to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, um, to be formed and shaped by the Word of God, um, and to be sent out on mission. And it's been really amazing. And I shared this morning that, I mean, we're six months old, and the Lord has been really faithful with provision financially for our church. Um, and so we're not in need of financial support right now, which is really great. Our people give generously. And we have so many partners, especially coming out of the Village Church. We've been able to support two church plants, one in L.A. and one um, on Cape Cod, where we've been able to give away $25,000 um, in six months of being a church plant. And that's only because of the faithfulness of God. And so we are blessed to be a blessing, and we don't want to hoard the blessings of God as a new church. And so, y'all, it's been amazing. If you're ever in Dallas, you definitely should come visit our church. Um, it's, been, it's been really amazing. So, hey, I want to pray for us. Um, to turn our affections on the Lord and um, to just really quiet our hearts to really hear the word of the Lord this morning. So let's pray. Father, we just commit this time to you. Lord, I have no idea where any of these people have come from or out of, but you do. Um, God, you know the context of their living. You know the context of their relationships. God, you know the disposition of their hearts right now. As the Holy Spirit of God, I just pray that you, by your power, would arrest our minds and our hearts to really hear your word this morning. And God, let us not just be spectators this morning. God, I pray that we would be hearers and doers of your word. God, prepare our hearts to be mobilized by what your word would inform us to do today. And God, if there's any among us who um, may not know Jesus or may doubt the validity of your scripture, the gospel, um, God, I pray that you will point, um, point them to truth today. Um, God, save today, we pray. We ask that. Um, Father, restore today. God, bring restoration today. Um, God, anoint this place and spark revival, we ask that in the matchless name of Jesus. God, you're good for it, and we know you can do it. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so back home, I leave my wife, Whitney, of five years of marriage and our two boys. Uh, we have a four-year-old and a 18-month-old. So our house is rowdy. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, it's fun, it's tiring, it's exhausting, it's full of joy, and I miss them already just one day away. And so be in prayer for my wife as she um, labors really hard to take care of these two boys who run from everything, that is diaper changes and putting on your clothes. And so 
I can only imagine what she went through this morning as she tried to put our eight-month-old's diaper on. And so, so pray for her, for sure. Um, hey, we're going to be in the book of Acts this morning. And so Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, feel free to turn with me there. And I think it's also going to be here on the screen. This is the word of the Lord. In the book, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, whom was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Church, this is the word of the Lord. And, and so if there's a summary statement that I want to capture for us this morning. It's God keeps his promises Jesus rose to conquer sin, Satan, and death, then ascended into glory, but not before sending the church on mission through the powerful and dwelling Holy Spirit. And so ideally my time today, I was told I have about 30 minutes, but they said it's okay. So I don't know what it, it's okay means. And so, and so it's okay if you walk out because I've been too long, okay? I'm assuming that's what it means. And so, and so my time today, I want to introduce the book of Acts at a very high level. Um, and I want you to really follow me through a journey of what it must have been like for the apostles and the disciples to be back with Jesus. And so if you understand and know the Gospels, then you know something very significant happened as Luke is writing the account of Jesus Christ. And so just, if you can, just dream with me. Like if you can, just be involved in this message as much as I am involved in preaching this message. Don't just be here to listen, but actually be with me. All right? And so learn with me. Process with me. Pray with me. Teach this message to yourself even as you hear it. And so let's be active listeners of the word of God this morning. And so in order to do, to do that well, I want to bring you into a scenario where you can actually imagine and dream something with me. And so you are, right now, every one of you, you, whoever you are, it's you. If you hear you, I'm talking to you. Who am I talking to? No, I'm talking to you. <laughs> All right, I ain't talking to me, I'm talking to you. And so just imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment you sitting in your seat that you are one of the early followers of Jesus Christ. Think about it. Over 2,000 years ago, imagine you are one of the early followers of Jesus Christ. He invites you, hey, you, follow me, for I will make you fishers of men. You are one of the early disciples. You eat with Jesus. You pray with Jesus. You see Jesus heal so many diseases and so many afflictions. You see Jesus touch the untouchable. 
You see Jesus feed more than 10,000. You are with Jesus. Imagine this, what it must have looked like. He washed your feet. You sit with him at the Last Supper, and he tells you that he's going to go away. But to do this as often as you can in remembrance of him, consider this bread and consider this wine. You are with Jesus. What does it feel like? What do you feel right now as you imagine I am one of the early disciples of Jesus Christ? I was with him. What does it feel like? Man, my teacher, my savior, my king, he loves me. I love him. He's my friend. I'm his friend. You were there. And then the inevitable happens, so to speak. You began to witness the persecution of Jesus Christ, your friend, your savior, your teacher, you're there. And you see all this hostility happening with and among and towards Jesus. How do you feel? They're persecuting our friend. They're persecuting our savior. You see it. And then you see Jesus carrying a cross with a crown of thorns on his head. Church, imagine you're there. What does that feel like? Blood dripping down his head. He's struggling to carry this cross, and you see it. Then all of a sudden, he comes to Calvary, and his hands are pierced, and you see it. Blood dripping down his hands and blood dripping down his face, and you are there. And you grieve, and you mourn. And you're saying, why? Why are you doing this to Jesus? Lord, why? You feel it. Your king, your savior, your friend, Jesus. Then all of a sudden, you witness the life of Jesus Christ. He's dead. Our Savior is dead. How do you feel? What does that feel like? All that he said, all that you've heard, all that you've seen, Jesus is dead. You're right there, one of the early disciples, and you witness all of it. Jesus is dead. What do you do? Where do you go? Who do you run to? So with that backdrop, Luke writes the book of Acts. He writes this book to capture the acts of the apostles following the persecution, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so in this book, we're going to capture three significant points. And I don't know if 35 minutes is going to be enough, so... Y'all bear with me. If you get up and walk, I get it. You know, baby's hungry, whatever. You hungry, I don't know. And so, and so three things we're going to capture here, church, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the promise from Jesus Christ, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. And so look with me again to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. In the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering for many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 
And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not too many days from now. So when he had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And so remember, imagine with me that you were one of the early apostles, one of the early disciples, and all of a sudden, Jesus is back, y'all. Think about it. Like Luke is writing this letter and he's saying, Jesus is back. And not only is he back, but he is back for 40 days. If you doubted the one day that you saw Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, wait a minute. I want to prove my resurrection. I am back. And not just for one day, Jesus came back for 40 days. He dwelt with the, he dwelt with the disciples. He talked with the disciples. He ate with the disciples. He was with and among the disciples, and there is proof and evidence that he was with so many others during these 40 days. He's back. How do you feel? Imagine being one of the early apostles after seeing this gruesome persecution and death of Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, what he said is true. He is back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Can you imagine the celebration that the apostles must have felt there? Can you imagine the excitement that everyone must be feeling like, come on, yes, Jesus. All your words are true. You said it and it happened. Promise keeper. Come on. Like the church is excited. The disciples are excited. The apostles are excited. And now Luke is making claims that Jesus was with and among the apostles for 40 days. This ain't a dream. It's not a dream. Dreams are for one night, maybe for one hour. This is reality. Jesus is with them for 40 days. This is not a dream. This is not trauma that they felt in light of his persecution. This is real. The risen King Jesus is with the disciples now. For more than 40 days, Jesus died. He was buried and he rose, y'all. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose. Jesus died. He was buried and he rose. How do you feel? What does that do in your heart? Jesus died. Everything that he said happened. He was buried and he rose. Can you imagine what the apostles did when they saw Jesus for the first time? Let's act that out for a minute. How many actors we got in the room? How many actors we got in here? Professional actors? Everybody raise your hand. I think we're going to... Oh, okay. All right. Look at you. One person. All right. Hey, can we act out what it must have felt like when the apostles saw Jesus for the first time? All right. Let's do it. They see Jesus for the first time. How did they respond? Okay. So I heard four people up here. No people in the back. Let's try that again. Hey, you are free to be free today. Okay. The apostles see Jesus for the first time. How do they respond? Come on! Woo! Yeah! It's like victory. It's victory. And so they get excited. And so Jesus eats with them. Jesus talks to them, and he proves his bodily resurrection for more than 40 days. And so this resurrection proves three things. That death is defeated. Jesus defeats death. Death cannot hold him. 
This resurrection proves that sin is defeated. We are no longer bound by the shame and the guilt of our sin. Sin is defeated. This resurrection proves that Satan, the enemy, is defeated. Freedom. And so in this context, the resurrection is significant for the apostles because it speaks to their victory through Jesus Christ over sin, death, and Satan. And so, church, this is the gospel for us. This is the good news for all of us here today. This is Jesus for us. Make it personal. This means that God came near, which is good news. To a broken, a fallen, and a hostile people, God came near. Jesus Christ came near to do a righteous work that none of us could ever do for ourselves. For us, Jesus died. For us, Jesus was buried. And for us, Jesus rose. And church, I'm convinced that sometimes this good news is no longer good to us. Because we've heard it before. We've intellectualized the gospel because we know it with our knowledge, but we don't feel it with our hearts. I'm convinced, church, that we've heard the gospel too much. And it doesn't resonate in our hearts because we don't make it personal. And so let's not be that kind of people. Like, let's not intellectualize the gospel where it doesn't mean anything to us because we forget that we are sinners. And we forget that that bloody cross was for us. His death was for us. His resurrection was for us. It was for you. It was for me. Church, Jesus died. He was buried. And he rose so that you and I can have freedom from sin, death, and Satan, so that we can be restored into a right relationship with God. It is for me, and it's for you. What does that do to you? This is good news. And this news never gets old. And this news is always good. And this news is always restorative. And it should always do something in our hearts whenever we hear it. But we remember Jesus accomplished something for you and I that we could never do for ourselves. Church, we are free. We're free. Free into a relationship with God, free into a right relationship with one another. We will be in glory forever because of this gospel. No longer condemned. Free from shame. Free from guilt. How many of you guys sinned this week? See, y'all some liars up in here. Some of y'all ain't even got your hands up. Come on, y'all. What's up? What's up with that? Like, we all daily walk in the nature of sin. In the nature of sin. And so even if you're here and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm Mr. or Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. I try to do everything right. Hey, praise the Lord. Like, let our ways be righteous before the Lord. But our mind thinks things that are a threat to the holiness of God. What if I asked you, share your thoughts for the last seven days? Put it on the screen right here. Let, er let everybody see it. All right? Would you want that? No, absolutely not. Because our nature is sin and Jesus died for that nature. And he gave us freedom from that nature so that we can be restored to the holiness of God, a right relationship with God the Father. Jesus did a great work. And this good news never gets old. It's always good. I mean, it's better than good. Seriously. 
And so Jesus, he, he, he's here. He's with the disciples. And then he tells the disciples, I need you to stay here for a little bit. And then we look at verse 6 into verse 8. And this is what happens. Hey, y'all, this story gets really good. Like, you got you to be with me, all right? Like, stay active. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right, come on. You got to stay here, all right? And so when they had come together, verse 6, Acts 1, verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, church, my first point was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are now looking at the promise of Jesus Christ. And so the disciples come up to Jesus and just grant it. They're excited. Like, come on, Jesus, you back. Yes, you did it. I mean, they're excited. I don't know how y'all get excited, but that's how I get excited, all right? You know, like maybe your excitement is, yes, Lord. Thank you. Like, maybe that's your excitement, but hey, I lose myself. You know, like, like the disciples are with Jesus, and they're excited. Like, come on, Jesus, you're back. Whoa. Like, are you really back? Are you back, back? Like, come on, like, like, like let me touch you. Like, I, I don't believe this. Like, like, Thomas is like, no, 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 I need to see Jesus. Like, I got to feel where your holes are. Do you blame him? No. Like, you witnessed this gruesome death of Jesus, and now he's back, and you're like, Whoa, is this real? Like, Jesus, I saw you resurrect life, but I didn't think you would resurrect your own life. What is this? Who is this? Wait a minute. And so he's back and he says, hey, I need y'all to stay here. And so the apostles look to Jesus and they ask him this question, Lord, you back now. Will you now restore the kingdom to Israel. And you know what they're asking, right? Yeah. Those Pharisees thought they had you. Yeah. All these people who didn't believe you, tell them who you are. Take Israel, be king, be ruler, resurrect this place, put everything back in order. The apostles are like, come on, we on your team, Jesus. Restore this kingdom. Take over. Take control. Let them know that you are the son of God. Let them know that you are king. Let them know that death is defeated. Let them know that sin is defeated. Let them know that you are the holy and righteous one. They're telling Jesus, restore the kingdom to Israel. Be king. Rise up. And Jesus looks at them and he's like, wait a minute. Calm down. I know you're excited. Chill out for a minute. Literally, Jesus is like, it gets better. You're too short-sighted right now. You can't even see the mission of God right now, but it gets better. He doesn't even answer their question. He says, it's not for you to know the time or the season, but. Hey, when Jesus puts a but there, y'all better listen. But. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses starting in Jerusalem, 
And so they're, they're, they're at least trying to get Jesus to get his power to be localized. Like restore this kingdom. Let it be a localized political power that is ruled by Jesus Christ who will rule forever because they can't kill you. So that means your kingdom will be forever localized, political. And Jesus says, but wait. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus has just said is that the power of God, the kingdom of God, will not be a localized power. It will be a global power. To the ends of the earth power, God will rule everything by and through King Jesus. His power will go forth, and it will go forth through the disciples. Did y'all hear what Jesus said to them? Did y'all hear that? What'd Jesus say? What'd he say? Let me hear it. What'd he say? He said they'll, they'll receive what? Power. What? Power. They'll receive power. Where, where, where are they going to go with that power? What's the first place? Jerusalem. Do y'all understand the tension in Jerusalem right now? Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. People don't like Jesus' followers in Jerusalem. They are hostile toward anyone who would affirm the name of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you some power. And with this power, you're going to go forth and you're going to be my witnesses. And the first place that I want you to go is to Jerusalem, where they put me on a cross and they hung me there till I died. You're going to go there first. Wait a minute, Jesus. Hold on, Lord. I love you. You know I'm for you, right? Oh, for real, for real? You want me to go to Jerusalem, yo? Like, like God, I just saw what they did to you. Like, you, you, really, you, re- you really want me to step there? But what, let's go to Samaria first. How about we go to the ends of the earth first, and then we come back to Jerusalem. Once they hear about what's happening over here, maybe they'll believe in you. But Jesus says, no. Like, you will go to the most hostile place first with power, as my witnesses. How would you feel if that was you? How would you feel if that was you, one of the early disciples of Jesus Christ? Jesus comes back and he says, hey, you don't need to know when the kingdom of God will take over completely, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and I need you to go back to the place where they thought they killed me. I need you to go back to the place where you saw the bloody deaths of my life, go back to that place. Go back to those same people. Testify to the same people who put nails in my hands. Testify to the same people who whipped the flesh off my body. Jesus is telling the apostles to go back to that place. How do you feel? What does that feel like? You were one of the early disciples there. Do you want to go? Y'all want to go for a ride? Y'all ready to go back to Jerusalem? No. Let's be honest. No one wants to go there, right? Like, who wants to do ministry in Jerusalem, right? Who wants to walk into their death, right? Jesus. Jesus walked into his death. Jesus loved the very ones who crucified him, Jesus. And now with this power that he says will come, he sent the apostles back to do the exact same thing. Take up your cross, walk into your death, 
and be witnesses to my goodness. How would you feel if you were one of the early apostles? Can I give you a spoiler? You are one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is calling us and Jesus is sending us into hostile places. Jesus is calling us and Jesus is demanding us to go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem may be your next door neighbor. Jerusalem may be your best friend. Jerusalem may be your spouse. Jerusalem may be your workplace. Jerusalem may be the place where you go to get groceries. Jerusalem could be any place that you go. This is our Jerusalem wherever we go. Because any person who doesn't know Jesus is hostile to the gospel. And we're called to go. So question, will you go? Will you go? So Jesus didn't answer their question, but he said they're going to receive power. He's going to send them back to Jerusalem. And then in Acts 1, 9 through 11, I don't know what's going on in Austin, y'all, but my allergies just like kicked up a notch. I'm going to drink a little water real quick. In Acts 1, 9 through 11, this is what Jesus This is what happens next. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This this Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus ascended but not before sending. Jesus ascended, but not before sending. Raise your hand if you have a job. Like, you do some kind of work. Like, maybe you stay at home and you take care of kids. Hey, my wife works for reals. Like, homegirl needs to get paid. I'm like, boo-boo, what you need? I got you. I got you. So, all of us have jobs. We do something. Like, maybe at school, something. Yes, Nod your heads. Yes, yes. You are alive. Yes. So all of you have some kind of job, right? So Jesus ascends but not before sending. And so Jesus calls the early apostles, he calls all of us to do a work. And let me tell y'all something. The work that Jesus calls all of us to actually comes with a commission. It's called the Great Commission. All right? That people, when we say something, comes into the family of God because we share the gospel and by faith and belief, this is the great commission. That we are to go. And here's the thing. The great commission doesn't give us an option. The great commission is not a question. Hey, can you go share the gospel? That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, If you come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have to ask ourselves, will I share the gospel? Will I lead somebody to Christ? Will I serve in such a way to where people can encounter the risen King Jesus? We don't have a choice, church. We are called to go and to make disciples with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for the believer, this is important. Because someone either invited you or shared the gospel with you. And apart from that invitation, you will be dead. 
But because of that invitation, you have been raised to victory in Jesus Christ. You have new life. And so I was, I was sharing with Huli yesterday. You know, if someone was to, to ask you, hey, tell me what the best entree is in Colombia. Like, explain to me. I'm going to Colombia. I need to know what the best entree is in Colombia. What would you tell them? And her face just kind of got lit up. And think about that. I'm new. I'm from Dallas. And I was like, hey, what's the best place to eat in Austin? What's your favorite place to eat? Think about it. I mean, you're going to light up. Rob, you got to go try this barbecue here. Oh, man, like, like they got the best cheesecake or, or cupcakes or whatever over here. Like whatever it is, you're going to tell me, hey, this place has the best coffee. This is how they roast the beans. This is how they make all the coffee, whatever. But you're going to get giddy and excited over coffee, over cupcakes, over barbecue. How excited do you get over the gospel? How excited do you get to share the good news of Jesus Christ? Friends, it is so good. It is so good. And we should be excited to share the message of hope, the message of reconciliation to those who don't know Jesus. And because we have power to go. This power is meant to be used. And so because of the ascension of Jesus Christ, his localized earthly ministry has now become globalized. Like it's no longer in Jerusalem only. Y'all, it's in Austin. It's in Dallas. It's in New York. It's in Colombia. It's in Africa. Because the message of the gospel has been extended through the people of God. And so you are significant. You are a messenger of reconciliation. Your work matters. You are a value to God. And we are called to go and make disciples. So what does the ascension of Jesus Christ mean, Pastor Robert? I mean, y'all have some really good questions. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was probably the one comment you've asked me today. And so what it means is that Jesus will come back again. He's on his way right now. Literally, he's on his way. Jesus Christ, King Jesus, he's on his way to crack the sky and come back and take all those who by faith in him believe back to our eternal place. He's on his way. But until he returns, he calls us to do a work. In church, our response is obedience. And so the invitation for all of us this morning is, will we be obedient to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the promise of Jesus Christ, and the ascension of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ into the ends of the earth? This may be your neighbor. This may be your best friend. This may be your family member. This may be your coworker. This may be where you shop. This may be your coffee shop. Who knows? The question is, will you be obedient to the work that Jesus Christ has called us into because we are believers and followers of Jesus? And so question, if you have an answer to this, just raise your hand and put it down because I know some of y'all like to do this, all right? And so that's fine. I just need some response here, all right? So just go like that. I got you. That's me, pastor, all right? If you want to linger, you can put it up there and be like, yes, Lord, you know, but just... Whatever, whatever you got, you know, you can put it out to the side, put your finger up, okay? Um, whatever it is, I just need you to respond here. All right, everybody, everybody up in here, I need you to respond, all right? 
Um, when will you gather corporately to hear and be encouraged by the word of God? If you have an answer for that, just say, I got that. When will you gather corporately to hear and be encouraged by the word of God? Do you have an answer to that? So most of you are in here. You have an answer to it. All of you. You will gather corporately right now at 9 o'clock here at the Well Church, right? So it's everybody. All right. Let me ask another question. When will you serve the city and the neighbors that exist around you? Is that on your calendar? Okay. Let me ask you another question. When will you intentionally share the gospel? Do you have answers to that? So what I, what I don't want to do is make you feel bad. Because some of these questions I have a hard time answering myself. But here's what I know. Church, we've done a really great job at gathering. It's on our calendars. We will be at church at 9 o'clock. We will be at church at 1045, 1145. I don't know what time the second service is. I'm just here. All right. But, but what we know is that we will be at church, right? We're going to come. We're going to hear the word of God. And we're going to invite people to come with us. We're going to sit in here. We're going to hear the word of God. We're going to hear the preached word of God. We're going to pray together. We're going to get excited together. We do the gathering really well. It's on our calendar. It's on our schedule. It's in the framework of our life. The question is, when will we share the gospel? Is that on our calendar? Hey, every day at this time, I go to this grocery store because I want to be like Jesus to this person. Hey, every week I go to this coffee shop specifically to share and proclaim the goodness of Jesus Christ to these baristas. Every single day I knock on my neighbor's door just to say, hey, how are you thinking about you praying for you? Is that on our calendar? Is that woven into the framework of our day? Because this is what it means to be on mission for Jesus Christ. Like church, may we put the same fervor, zeal, and discipline that we put into the gathering also into the scattering. Like, may we be faithful to gather, be encouraged by the word, and also faithful to this gathering. To share and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because it's so good to us. And we desperately want so many other people to step into the goodness of the Lord because he's been so good to us. And so here's my invitation. You, as you have imagined, you are one of the early apostles of Jesus Christ. As you imagine that scene, as you witness Jesus Christ dying for our sins, as you encountered Jesus for 40 days, imagine that. And then he ascends. Can you imagine the momentum of the apostles? He is who he said he is. They saw it, they witnessed it, they encountered it. And now for us, like, you may say, but Pastor Robert, I wasn't there. Like, it's hard for me at times to believe it. I get it. But we have something called the Holy Spirit. God himself in us to do the work out of us. And so will you be faithful? 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 I ain't seen a head nod, so I'm going to keep asking, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? Yes. Yes. In church, we get to be faithful because God is faithful. He never fails. He's always true. And so we get to model faithfulness after our great faithful God. Will you be faithful? 
Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are faithful. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that he died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that he came and he lived and he breathed and he was resurrected to full life. Thank you that he ascended, but not before sending. And so, God, I just pray. I just pray that this message today would not just be something that we just hear with our ears and it does nothing to our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just resurrect our hearts today? Would you give us boldness today? God, it's scary out there. God, to do this work, it's hard. And a lot of times I get in my own way. And so, God, would you just allow the good news of Jesus Christ to mobilize all of us to be on mission? God, would you restore us? Would you help us? Would you lead us and would you guide us? Lord, we need you. Thank you for your word that's always true and always consistent. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.